Welcome and thank you for joining us uh, on Sex and Light. It is a podcast about sex and, and how it affects our daily lives and how we interact with it. Today, we have uh, an amazing comic with us named Amanda Day. Hello. Hello, Amanda. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? We'll just start off uh, pretty easy. Like, uh, how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, I think it's coming up on eight years now. How did you know you were funny? Like, what pushed you into to taking that first uh, uh, step on a stage? Uh, well, I always liked performing when I was a kid. I never really did uh, stand-up, uh, but I liked being in plays and acting and things like that. And I liked listening to stand-up a lot, so it kind of seemed like a natural progression to eventually get to do that. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, but like, was it a family member that said you should go on stage, or was it a friend? No, it was just you saying, <laughs> just me I and my wants and needs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, see, I was a peer pressure guy. Were you? Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, you should get into comedy. I'm like, well, let's see whether this or journalism. So I can't win either way. Yeah. See, yeah. my dad always thought I was funny. Mm. I don't know why, because. I think I my I mom thought my I was 30s. funny, but uh, I don't think she wanted me to go into comedy as a career. Yeah. Well, I would always do other people's bits. Like, uh, I was huge in Emo Phillips. Yeah. You know, when I was like 12, 14, whatever. And I'd like him and Arsenio Hall and uh, Comedy at Club 54 when mm-hmm. Carrie Snow was hosting it. Yeah. I watch all those and I do all the jokes and everything. Dad's like, why don't you write your own jokes? Yeah. Because I'm not funny, <laughs> you know? Like, I was, I'm 15, and what do I know about anything? Yeah. You know? Well, at 15, you don't know anything about anything. Anything about <laughs> How old were you when you started? Eight years ago. Well, then then people not can 15. do math. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I was in my uh, early 20s, let's say. Cool, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you find it, like, a really good social place? Do you, are, are most of your friends like in comedy or, or? I would say most of my friends at this point are in comedy. I still have uh, people from my pre-comedy life that I'm, I'm still friends with. But yeah, the majority of the people who I spend my time with on a regular basis, definitely comedians. Yeah. yeah. Please help us with this. Sure. Like, you know, the, the, there's a bullshit about there being a gender war, mm-hmm. right? Where it seems like newspapers who don't normally cover Comedy, comedy have a very strong opinion have a about... very exactly have a very strong opinion about this supposed gender war mm-hmm. and as i called it bullshit i'm pretty sure you know my stance on it yeah see i think gender war is really kind of blowing up something to to the nth degree i think that there are uh still problems between you know uh getting women more visible in comedy and having them being taken seriously but that's really kind of dying out in the old guard I think there's a lot of new people who are around who understand, like, yeah, women are funny too, obviously. Uh, like Michelle Christina, she just blew up. Yeah. I don't know how. I mean, she's well, she funny. works hard. That's she's, how she's she does funny it. She, and she fucking works, hard she and works and crazy all over the place. That's uh. So anybody really, I mean, that, that thinks that there's still some kind of gender indiscrepancies. I well, don't... I don't think there's not gender uh, indiscrepancies that are going on i just think that the emphasis seems to be in like look what's going on and it's never going to change uh, uh, is towards you know there's a lot of emphasis on that and i feel like the attitude kind of needs to be like no we're gonna just work really hard and prove everybody wrong seems to be the more productive way of solving that you know yeah yeah so and i guess maybe that's the reason why you have 
shows like the She Dot mm-hmm. and uh, Momix. Yeah. Right. I mean, on the one hand, it's bringing a lot of uh, visibility to uh, women in comedy. It's a uh, it's a great marketing tool. It's a good sell for a lot of people. A lot of people who will buy tickets to see an all women show. Um, it is a little, you know, you are still dealing with the duality of like, yes, this is great to promote women and women in comedy. And you're also dealing with the duality of like, oh, why do we have to be segregated into our own, our own little niche when we're probably making up quite a, you know, significant part of the population and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Well, I think that with whenever you're just hanging out with a bunch of guys Mm -hmm. and it's all guys, the humor of the room changes because people are more comfortable about talking about certain things. Sure. There's something to be said about doing a show where the females feel more comfortable doing the humor and they're not thinking about how guys are going to respond to it for a change. I don't know if anyone is kind of... Um, I mean, I think for the most part when when you're doing an all-women show, you're probably expecting the majority of the audience to be female, but I wouldn't say you're expecting all the audience to be female. I mean, no, I, I would but... never go into an all-women show thinking... I don't need to be relatable to men at all. Like, no, it's still, you still yeah, have to. Yeah, but I mean, if I were a guy and I was told that I'm going to an all-female show, I should probably change my expectations a little bit too. You would you would gear uh, your set differently is what you're saying? Uh, if I were an audience, I would gear my expectations different. <laughs> I'd just bring panties to throw on the stage. Yeah. Edible ones or just? Eh. You, I mean, you can eat them. I, just, I don't know how tasty they'd be. You can yeah. give it your best shot, but yeah. <laughs> They're not for that. You Everyone wants try. to get back to me and see how well these these pan out. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Have you run into any sexism in the scene? Uh, I don't think so personally. Uh, I mean the the thing about uh, you know sexism, or if you want to talk about privilege at all, which I realize is kind of a loaded term. Um, the, the the problem is a lot of the time you're kind of left wondering, like, did I not get this, or did this happen because I'm a woman? Or is it because of some other different reason? Just someone was funnier. Yeah. yeah. Who, who can say? You know, I, I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there who would love to just blame their gender on why they aren't uh, as further along in comedy as they would like to be. Yeah. Well, that's that's why I'm not further along is because I'm a man. You're a straight white and, male. and yeah. uh, Who said I was straight? There's really too much of that going on. <laughs> yeah, you're probably not that straight. Not that straight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if Joe put on a dress? He has lovely. Every, uh, every time. He has lovely <laughs> hair. He, he does a, have he lovely has a thin hair. Frame and lovely hair. <laughs> I can't sleep with anybody with facial hair. Mm. So you're gonna have to shave. You're gonna have to shave. That's it. That's the only reason he's <laughs> growing that beard is to just ward you off. How how much of the person on stage is a man today? Uh, I'd say I'm pretty. I mean. It's kind of more overemphasized. I myself a lot. Uh, I would say that uh, I'm kind of taking certain personality characteristics sort of to the nth degree, but it's not like anything I do is coming from a place that I can't relate to. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally, totally. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Uh, do you consider yourself a feminist? I would consider myself a feminist. Yeah. What does feminism mean to you? Like, how do you define feminism? I would call it uh, equality between all the genders. <laughs> Ani DeFranco once said that uh, feminism mm-hmm. isn't about equality. It's about reprieve. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean by reprieve? A reprieve, yeah. yeah what... To not be, have this onslaught of male bullshit, you know? 
the the cat calling mm-hmm. or the uh, uh, inequity in pay, mm-hmm. you know, the, the always feeling they have to defend themselves, you know, from slut shaming sure. and that kind of stuff. You emphasized me hard when you said slut shaming. Like slut shaming, Amanda, you over there in that chair. <laughs> We're you know, any slut in the room. You're the spokesperson. <laughs> you do tell a lot of sexual jokes. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, uh, definitely. And uh, you do it from from a point of view where everybody can kind of get a kick out of it. You know, yeah, I think just, so. I would like uh, to think so anyway. Do you find that because you're a, a quote unquote dirty comic? I mean, would you consider yourself a dirty comic? I would consider. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. That I'm a dirty comic. You're pretty yeah. dirty. Um, it's not really dirty, man. It's just sex. Like, you... no, fine. We'll just, <laughs> like, I understand what's going on in society. I'm a dirty comic. It's fine. Do you find that that guys think that you're easy because you're a dirty comic? Like, do you get unwanted attention because they feel that they can give it to you? Uh, I have been told that I'm scary, so I think that wards off a lot of unwanted attention that uh, that I might uh, be getting. Uh, I also think, well, I don't know. I've been told I'm intimidating. Really? Yes. I know I'm a tiny woman. You are. But but, uh, but you're yeah. a powerful woman. Like I am a powerful just, woman. In my opinion, uh, uh, only knowing uh, a little bit about you, mm-hmm. I've always seen you as being very, very confident. Mm-hmm. And, and when I've seen you, it's very, very together, mm-hmm. you know, and very professional. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I, intimidating? I don't. I yeah, know. I don't know. Well, I think it depends on the type of guy who has been, you know, who might who think he, that. Who was he comparing you to? Like, uh, is... Well, I was, uh, one of my friends uh, uh, said in a Janine Garofalo way. So I think kind of the aloofness sort of, I'm a little aloof, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it, I think it kind of makes a bit of a barrier. I don't seem approachable, I don't think, in general. So I think that wards off a lot of, uh, an, uh, like, unwanted attention as well. Like, I don't seem like a person who's... Going to be you, terribly yourself... receptive to some unwanted advance. I seem like the kind of person who's probably going to call you a shithead. Oh, <laughs> but uh, first time I saw you, mm-hmm. you were wearing a pink Ramones shirt. That sounds about right. Yep. I can't feel intimidated by anybody who wears a pink Ramones shirt. <laughs> you know, in in any way, it's. Uh... You're not the average guy, though. I would say. <laughs> uh, I think not. the average uh, person. Uh... It's. Uh... I might, I might be a bit of a challenge. And the first time we had a conversation, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was the first time we had a conversation, uh, you showed me a picture of a parrot. Oh, the parrot on the, the, holding that guy's dick. Yeah, yep. the parrot nested on this guy's penis. Yep. Do you think maybe that scares people off? Well, I don't I show do, everyone that picture. <laughs> I do that kind of shit all the time. Yeah. And it's like I sent, I asked you if I could send you one. This dude had a Johnson that looked Photoshopped. Because it was just that big. And uh, I wanted to get other people's opinions on it. Nobody else gave me opinions on it. It's, you know, fake or real? It's a serious question. Are you trying people a photo of, of it? Or were you dragging yeah. them around and asking, hey, no, no. check out this guy's dog? Just whip it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, people got to see this. <laughs> so for you, is comedy art or entertainment? Uh, I mean, for me, it's a little bit of both. I have a pretty strong art background, so uh, I I do kind of see my journey in comedy as an artist's journey, in a way. I'm kind of using uh, hand quotes for the listeners here because I feel uh, pretentious saying journey. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I kind of I kind of get more satisfaction out of seeing 
my progress in an artistic way. I think ultimately you're, it's important that you still entertain people. That's the most important thing the most is important that you're thing. funny. Yeah. Um, or at least that, interesting. Not that you're being art, uh, but uh, yeah. I always found, even if you're at least interesting, mm-hmm. um, maybe not so much on the funny, you can control a crowd. Yeah. Like I've did a, I used to do a joke about, uh, it's a story really about my first time in jail, like real jail. And I, basically it's a fart poop joke, mm-hmm. but because it takes place in jail, people are just like, <gasps> cause it's a, it's something that a lot of people haven't experienced. So That's that adds it. a lot of interest to it. Just the whole. So they just, they, they won't necessarily jail, laugh. Eh? Some people will laugh, but most of them just stare and like, I wouldn't do well in jail. <laughs> I'm way too good looking. <laughs> They'd make you shave your beard, then you're the guy in the dress. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're the Joseph in prison. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you ever been arrested? No. No? No, I've never been arrested. I, you look like someone has been arrested. You look like someone who's been arrested. No, but someone who. who but I don't know why guys are intimidated. Stuff like that. I look like a person who's going to do a bunch of protests. Protests, and, you know, so you get arrested for. Uh, uh, there's a lot of good reasons people get arrested, but no, I've never been arrested. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to be arrested? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I knew a bunch of the people in the community got arrested when there was the Occupy. The G20, movement. yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was saying the Occupy, but it was the G20. Yeah, yep. the G20 was, was crazy. Of. Did you go down? Um, I think I mostly tried to avoid it. I was working downtown at the time, so it was sort of a complicated sort of thing where it's just like... Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Any any opportunity I could get. I just, for me, putting myself in that kind of situation, it, I can't see it being healthy. Mm-hmm. And if I can't see it being healthy, then chances then are. It's I'm, not I'm healthy. Right. Yeah. It's because, I mean, you'd, you'd have someone throw something out a window. And then I'd get mad at them because it takes away from the cause. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if, 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 Everybody starts acting like assholes and they're smashing cars and stuff. Right, cars on and you fire. just can't control an amount, that and amount of looting and people. Just... But I don't think that was the problem with the G20. So. Well, it was. It was just a small part. I think. I think a lot of that was set up. Overall, yeah. I'm, I'm a conspiracy kind of guy, so I think a lot of that was set up by the cops. You know, what cop leaves a car unattended? Yeah. You know. Hmm. Yeah. It was just remarkable. Um, having seen the whole thing unfold, how quickly Toronto went from a usually passive-aggressive, peaceful city to something short of a war zone, which you would see somewhere in, in in Europe or Asia. Yeah, it's and then just go back to normal, like nothing happened. Yeah, <laughs> nothing happened. Nothing important. Now vote for Doug. No, don't vote for Doug. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Moratorium. I know, I know we used to put a rule and not talking about Rob Ford. Doug Ford is his brother. We're not doing See, Doug either. Uh, no? No. What if he makes Really, bear? you're reaching back to the G20 to talk about, <laughs> so you're not keeping up with current events. You might Definitely. have to talk about the mayor. Some people are still seeking justice. Right. <laughs> point taken. Yeah. Uh, okay, fuck it. So, Rob, uh, so Rob Ford <laughs> taking over for... What a... Doug Ford is Doug taking, Ford yeah. taking over for Rob Ford, right. In the running. Where do you want to go with your comedy? Like, do you, do you want to be a club comic and just tour and, and do clubs? Or do you want to, at some point, do TV shows? You know, there's a lot of things that, happily, that I'd be pretty satisfied with. That's probably one of the best things about 
the position that I'm in in comedy is sort of like, oh, a lot of things are good <laughs> that that I would be very pleased with. I would be happy being a road comic, but I'd also be, I don't know if I'd be happy working on a TV show, but, you, you know, I'd be happy Stephen being Colbert. on TV. Okay. <laughs> you, can, you can replace Stephen Colbert as... as I don't a... think they're going to pick me to replace Stephen Colbert. No? No. I don't think I'm in that running. Always shoot for the stars. <laughs> That's what I learned from Abraham Salim. Are we gonna Are we gonna talk about stuff that happened three years ago consistently through this podcast? <laughs> uh, I'm, honestly, I'm not up on. What happened the last time we saw each other? Let's just leave off there, and we'll get we'll get up to date with our I news. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, I stopped doing comedy, so yeah, stop being fun for me. <laughs> oh, it's not being fun. You for know, me. so uh, as much as I like going out and all that, if I don't have a real goal. Mm -hmm. I don't feel right taking up other people's stage time. Oh, sure. You know what I'm saying? I kind of wish that there were more people who had that opinion. Because <laughs> there are some people where it's like, oh, I don't really want to do this for a job. I just like to get up on stage and fuck around. And that that, well, that's it, like, right? It's, uh, I don't want you here. Della Todd. <laughs> I, I told myself I was going to give myself till I turned 40 mm -hmm. to see where I could go. Sure. And if it was a viable... Option, option thing, right? Yeah. Like if doing clubs was actually kind of going to happen, mm -hmm. and uh, I just don't have the energy or time to go out every night. Yeah, you got a lot of you got a lot of stuff going on outside I, of. Yeah, well, it's you know I got kids. I, and... I had nothing going on before comedy, so that's what made things great for me. Because <laughs> well, you're not big on relationships, are you? I've been in them. The, the uh, I wouldn't say across. successfully, but yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, uh, I, I'm a self-aware person and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I kind of think I seem to know myself pretty well. So I know, uh, that right now at this point in my life, probably not a good time to be in a relationship right now. I just don't have the energy to kind of put towards another person. Well, that's it, right? But I do like being in them. I'm not anti them. It's just really not something I can handle in my life right now. But do you see yourself maybe one day getting married? I don't think I would get married. No. no. I like the idea of meeting someone that, you know, I'm t together with for the long term. Um, but I don't think I don't think my interests lie in, in, in getting married and having kids and you know, I don't even I don't even know if I could live with another person <laughs> at this kids. point. So kids are hard. Mm hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad mine don't live with me. Yeah. I'd kill them. Uh, yeah, I've never been so, interested in having kids. So, what are what's your opinion about uh, gay marriage? Because you're a very liberal person. Yeah. Right. Well, I I mean I'm I'm pro gay marriage. Uh, I you know it, nobody has to get married. I don't know if it, it's one of those things where either my opinion either lies with yeah everybody should get married or hey why are people still getting married that kind of that kind of yeah. is what well, yeah yeah. It's, uh, but should they have the right to? Of course, yes. Sh should it be called marriage? Because that's some of the the pushback. Because they're like, well, marriage is between man and woman. Why can't we call it a civil union? Right. And I've talked to gays who are like, call it a fucking cabbage if you want. Just give Just me give rights. Just give us the same rights. Exactly. Yeah. And others are like, no, we need it to be called marriage because we're pushing that far. Sure. So if you're fighting for the equality, you would want it to be called the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But if you just want acceptance legally, I don't know. See, I'd call it marriage. I'd, I don't have any big kind of, are well, you religious at all? 
No. Are you spiritual? Not really. And no. So does science, eh? Uh, I'm I'm pro science. I can, I'm prone to the uh, odd spiritual moment, but I wouldn't say that I use it as a, a path thing. It's sort of more of an experience. You're not like cleansing crystals during Sal Wayne or anything. Like no, that? nothing like that. Okay. <laughs> my ex-wife does that. Oh. I've lived my life around a whole bunch of flakes, so I believe in like aliens and conspiracies mm -hmm. and ghosts and uh, female orgasm. Right. I, be I believe in all those myths. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, where's the farthest you toured? Uh, what was the farthest? Uh, I do a lot of Ontario, but the, probably the, the farthest I've gone. I did a festival uh, in Boston, so that might be as far as I've gone down. I like Boston. Boston. You go to Provincetown? Uh, no, I was mostly in Cambridge. We took a, a trip, Massachusetts, when I was in grade seven. I feel like that's not how it's said. Uh, Massachusetts? Massachusetts? Sure. So Boston, Massachusetts. We'll throw things at you. Oh, well, I'm Most of the stuff not mine, usually so. very abusive. <laughs> it's, um, but yeah, so we went to Boston, and then we went to, uh, to Provincetown to go whale watching. And uh, that was the first time it was ever pointed out to me that a guy was hitting on me. Because my mom came along as mm -hmm. a parent supervisor. Mm -hmm. And because we were in the States, she said, okay, well, because shoes are cheaper here, I can buy you some really cool shoes. Because mm -hmm. I, mean, I was poor growing up, right? Yeah. Um, and so we went and I got this killer pair of Airwalks. Like this is back when Airwalks were the skater the, shoe, right? The, yeah, the Vans shoe. Vans are Airwalk, right? Sure. And uh, I was always Airwalk. And I got them and apparently the guy selling me the shoes was gay. Because mm -hmm. when we left, my mom started laughing. She said he was flirting with you. Mm -hmm. So I thought he was just being nice. He might have just been trying to make a sale. <laughs> Maybe. You don't know. But <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. That was cool of your mom that she was just kind of like, ah. <laughs> we, are your parents liberal? Uh, well, my dad's not in the picture. Mom's pretty liberal, I would say. Has she come? Does she come to your shows? No. She's not allowed to come to my shows. Oh, really? <laughs> You, why, why don't you want your mom there? Because she doesn't react well to it. I've had her at about two shows. When I was starting out, with, uh, that wasn't the best thing to have her at in, in general anyway. Yeah. But the thing is, I think she would find me uh, funny if I weren't her daughter. But because it's her daughter talking about sex stuff on stage, she just tends to get this kind of shocked look on her face. And then I'm like, Jesus, I can't have you here <laughs> in this audience staring at me. It's uh, my dad would come to as many shows as he could, mm -hmm. but he doesn't like my overtly sexual jokes. Which is most of your act. No. No, I know. It's a, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's it's like I can't talk about, uh, or not that I can't, but I, I don't, if he's not there, I won't talk about like the gay porn stuff mm -hmm. or anything like that. With People the audience or with, with your dad? <laughs> People don't want to hear about gay sex. It's apparently. Well, you have to got to find the audience for it. <laughs> a gay audience. They like it. Where's a place that you would like to go with your comedy? Like a, a, a geographical location? Like I would like to kind of check out uh, the the West Coast a lot. Like the American West Coast. Like I'm really interested in, in Portland. And I would kind of like to see what LA is like. Although I don't drive. So I don't know how Seattle. productive it's going to be. I would love to check out Seattle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, my dad took me there on a vacation once just to 
visit mm -hmm. and they say it's impossible to get around if you're not driving yeah it's not impossible it's possible well i it hear that there is transit but i understand it's not that great but it you're makes... stuck in traffic a lot of the time anyway yeah. you must just be sitting on a bus in traffic instead of in a car the transit there makes ours look like a, a luxury mm -hmm. liner and ours is like not that great class. yeah <laughs> it's serviceable but that's not a compliment you should be giving anything yeah people it's... depend on for their daily lives mm -hmm. going to the states has changed my opinion about a whole lot of things mm. and give me a new respect for for toronto stuff uh, toronto parking really not that bad have you ever been to philadelphia I have not, no. They park bumper to bumper on corners. Ooh. So you have to like climb over cars across the street. Wow. Maybe not that bad, I'm exaggerating. But uh you know, Well now I lanes, don't know what to believe. The center turn lanes, you know where they're they're striped off? Yes. Right? I've seen cars parked there. Like they'll park their car in the middle of the street, literally. Why? Because there's no parking. Jeez. It's too small a city to handle the the number of people that are there. The cars that they have there. It's, and I went to the, the original Philly cheesesteak place and had a cheesesteak and it was horrible. It was like leather. It was so bad. But it was the original place, so you, know, you kind of have to do it, no matter how bad the food is. <laughs> a lot of comics um, in the community, they've gone to Europe. I mean, it's, it's something that we've seen a lot, but sure. we were going there. They're looking to stay there now. Has uh, mm -hmm. overseas been appealing to you in any way? Um, maybe England, but I wouldn't see myself living somewhere else. Um, I've heard Australia, Evan Demeray has been to Australia a whole bunch of times. He says it's great. I don't know if it would be the place I would want to hang out in, you know, but I, I haven't Sand been there, so I have no idea. Yeah. And koalas. Well, uh, sun is, is not my, uh. Friend. My friend. So, yeah. <laughs> You're very fair skinned. I'm you, very you pale. Oh yeah, and I don't even. I I think I get a little bit of color, but really I just burn. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Yeah, it's just, just. Yeah, it's either red or white. <laughs> Those are the two skin options well, I have. My oldest son, tans really easy, mm -hmm. and then my youngest son, uh, because his bio father is like English English. Yeah. So he's pale. Yeah. Like so pale, and uh, it's funny because their grandma's black, mm -hmm. and so. <laughs> You know, Kata will say things like, I'm going to smack you till the till the white shows or whatever. And teachers will be like, you can't say that. He's like, why not? Because you're not black. Yes, yes, I am. You're a skinny, pale, white kid. Yeah. I'm black. <laughs> he's going to have so much problems in school. Uh, he's a good kid. He's, <laughs> he's actually a really great kid. I love my kids. What is something that you would have liked to have known getting into comedy that nobody told you? That's hard to say. Don't take other people's jokes. No. Well, I think that's that's a given. I think you yeah. go into comedy kind of knowing that. And if you don't, <laughs> some people. Jeez. Minority, sure. I was yeah. I was at Einstein's once, and this kid got on stage, and did a George Carlin joke. Oh. Like a really really old George Carlin, and uh, did you tell him? Ar no, Ari was sitting across from me, right? And he's like, "That's a George Carlin joke, like word for word." Yeah. I was like, I just shook my head. I mean, I'm not going to tell him because I don't know for sure. Okay. You know, but. Uh, Did he tell the kid? I don't know. Oh. Possibly. It's. <laughs> I think if your joke sounds like somebody else, you should probably, somebody should give you a heads up. Because maybe it might have been sublimated or something like that. I think it's embarrassing when you find out that. Yeah. 
something that you've been doing has already been done. Everything's been done. Everything's been done, technically, yeah. But it's, it's yeah, it's word for word. Like, I've, I've done jokes and then found somebody else doing a joke something that similar. is very, very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I used to do the A&W burger. Yeah. A joke about the, the teen burgers. Mm-hmm. And then someone else that, like, a year later started doing teen burger jokes about a priest. Yeah. So it's more or less, you know, it's, it's a pedophile joke. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, but it was still different enough that I, I wouldn't consider it stealing. Yeah. You know? And uh, one of the things I like when, when doing very similar material is when you hear someone else's take and, you know, like you can totally appreciate where they've gotten the joke from. Yeah. Like I did jokes about uh, Michael Jackson when he died. Sure. And about burying plastic. Mm-hmm. Right. And this other guy came on stage and said, you know, during the autopsy, they found a Pepsi bottle inside him. Mm-hmm. And, she, and it was just funny you know, because it was taking the same premise, but yeah. to a different place. It was really, it was cool to see the way people's mind worked. Yeah. So, I had something similar like that uh, happen to me where I was doing um, a joke about uh, King Solomon. You know the story of... Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I was doing a, a joke like that for a little while. And then, uh, I don't know if you know Sam Rudikoff. I know the name. Okay. He came up to me and he said, Hey, that's a John Mulaney joke. And I had actually not gotten into Mulaney. Um, no, I had watched new in town, but I hadn't heard, uh, his, uh, uh, his old album. And so I was like, Oh, cause I hadn't, I really literally had no idea. And then I would like kind of nervously listen to the first album to be like, what's this, what's this joke that I'm doing? That's like his. <laughs> So I uh, I listened to it and like first of all his first album is called the the top part I think and that's that hooks into his King Solomon joke so his 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 album is named after that joke <laughs> uh, and uh, it was interesting hearing his take on it because I the I had a very similar take which was kind of uh, disappointing yet encouraging at the same time because John Mulaney is a very funny man but he wrote the shit out of it. Yeah. Like I had kind of just sort of, uh, you know, the story and then a couple one off one liners kind of thing. He wrote it and wrote it and wrote it. It was really good. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, shit, what's his name? Jim Gaffigan with the bacon story. Same thing, man. He just rides that. Way yeah, yeah. Than well, that Gaffigan's like that with everything, <laughs> with every food product. <laughs> oh, hot pockets. Hot pockets. <laughs> I love the hot pocket joke. It's awesome. Do you find being a comedian that when you're watching shows, uh, you know, other people f- perform, are you, are you watching it uh, uh, clinically and kind of dissecting what they do? Or do you watch it just for entertainment value? I think a lot of the time it depends on what mood I'm in. Uh, a lot, if I'm if I'm on the show and I'm watching comedy, I'm probably just waiting to for me to get on stage. Or I'm trying to see if there's anything that that the acts before me say that I can kind of pick the up on later. Yeah. Yeah. So but So I've... in that sense I guess that's the clinical way of looking at it. Yeah. Uh, but uh if I'm probably if I'm watching a special or something like that, I'm watching it for entertainment to enjoy it and then I'll continue watching it over and over again and that's when I'll get a little more clinical analysis about how things are structured and things like that. It's always amazed me when I found out who's clinical and who's not. Mm-hmm. Like uh, uh, Dom Perret, to listen to his jokes, mm-hmm. they're really, really silly and and whatnot. Uh, 
But if you sit down and actually talk with him, he's like, he watches everything mm-hmm. about an act, like your movements and your facial expressions and how you stand. And it's Dom's great. I love Dom. Oh, he's awesome. He's yeah. a great person too, you know, but uh, uh, as a comic, he's just phenomenal mm-hmm. in my opinion. And it's just, but to watch him on stage and understand that that's the kind of brain is behind it. Yeah. Is I find that shit kind of exciting. kind of a little bit more Seinfeld like because uh, he seems really clinical about his stuff. I mean, down to facial expressions and things like that. I I don't remember. It must have been comedian, uh, the documentary that he did where you see him kind of rehearsing his act before a show, and you literally see him like kind of mouthing the words to himself and doing the act outs at the same time. Like that's the sort of that's the kind of clinical precision with like got to hit this facial expression at this point yeah. and this hand gesture and like that's that's a crazy amount of uh, analysis put into where things go in an act, you know. But it's those kind of things that you don't think about when maybe you're first getting into it. Yeah, like you don't think about the cadence or the facial expressions. You just think that's mm-hmm. funny. I'm funny. Yeah. What, what what more do I need to do? Right. Yeah. So I was. Trying... If I just yell, it'll yeah. be funnier. That's it. Just go on stage and yell steroids. Walk off. Yeah. That was that any... was advice to uh, uh, Justin Late from a drunk guy at the oh next year. Oh, God. He looked over. He said, you should just go on stage, yell steroids, and walk off. That'd be funny. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys uh, question both of you? Did you ever have, like, a rude awakening when you were learning something about stand-up? Like, there was a rule you didn't realize you were breaking or there was something that you thought, oh, I thought I could do that. Uh, kind of like the doing a joke that you somebody else might have been doing that was sort of similar my my first year i tried riffing on uh a very well liked pro comic because mm-hmm. he had said something and i found it funny so i was trying to uh riff on it on stage mm-hmm. nothing crickets shut the fuck up mm-hmm. okay like it just, Why did they were, well, did they just not find it funny or did they feel like you number were one I think it, it wasn't or... funny but it was you know you're not one of us so don't fucking try and uh, uh, riff on one of us you're yeah. not at that stage yet you know what I'm saying like that's kind of the the vibe I got yeah so no one actually ever said anything was there to an me. audience in that show or that very very little it was mostly yeah. comics is what it was mostly comics it's mostly comics okay so but you know and that's the kind of thing I've. You know, I had to learn, right? And and uh, uh, because riffing is so, in my opinion, so hard to do, like out of the gate. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And it's it takes time, in my opinion, for for you to work that muscle. Yeah. In your brain. And you also kind of have to be instantly relatable as well. People have to know what you're about right when you hit the stage, and then they can get comfortable with you riffing off whatever, you know? Unless you're someone who's a naturally good riffer mm-hmm. and their struggle is figuring out how to, how to actually set an act, yeah. yeah. How much riffing do you do? Uh, I don't do that much. Um, sometimes I'll get a good thing or two off the top, but uh, a lot of the times I'm, I'm just kind of doing my act. I would like to riff a little bit more, um, but it really... Kind of depends on which shows I'm doing. I, I riff a lot at, at my own show at yeah, Hotbox. When you're hosting. When I'm hosting. Because I kind of have that opportunity. I find a lot easier to riff hosting than doing doing a stand-up act. Yeah, yeah. They, they are different skill sets. Um, yeah, I find that uh, if, I'm, if I'm just doing, you know, if I'm just doing a show where I'm just doing my act on the show, I kind of 
tend to want to be reliable in terms of let's just make it be consistent yeah. where I feel like I can kind of play around a little more being a host because I don't have to be the funniest person on the show. I just have to be entertaining and move the show along. Yeah. It's, uh, there's apparently really good money in emceeing. Mm -hmm. uh, Martha O'Neill told me, she said that, you know, you can make a decent living just hosting events. Yeah. You know, with the different uh, corporate events or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you have to be, like you said, relatable. Yeah. And I think you have to be able to do a bunch of clean jokes. Mm -hmm. Which Yeah, corporate stuff is usually clean and that's, yeah. My clean jokes are mostly all puns. Uh, so it's like... So you're not in high demand. <laughs> no, I'm not in high demand, no. No, Kenny and I, Kenny Molotov and I, we're, uh, we'll just sit in the next room with our puns and hopefully someone will say hi to us. <laughs> Uh, what do you think of puns? Do you like puns? I guess I'm not averse to puns, but uh, I don't know. It probably depends on what mood I'm in for a pun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. I, I love wordplay. I me, like wordplay, yeah. Uh, I've been fortunate enough in my life to, uh, my longer relationships have usually been with smarter women. Mm -hmm. Like women that are smarter than me, mm -hmm. which isn't that hard. <laughs> but it's still, you know... Uh, and they all love wordplay. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, I guess that's part of the attraction. Once right? you have a vocabulary, it's kind of nice to play with it a little. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little. Um, if a, if a, a young female came up to you and asked you for advice in comedy, mm -hmm. what kind of advice could you give them? Um, probably the same thing a lot of people say, which is really just get up and do it and don't don't stop doing it. Don't, don't let things get in your way about it. And, you know, yeah. I mean, the most important thing about it is, is getting up and doing it. And then everything else kind of falls into place from that or doesn't, but you know, have you ever had like an accident on stage or something really embarrassing happen while you're on stage? Uh, I don't think so. I've bashed my teeth with the mic taking it out of the stand, but I don't think that's terribly embarrassing. <laughs> Not horribly. No, that's, it's not like I suddenly had my period on stage or something. Like that. <laughs> And we'll leave that to Vita. Yeah. Did that happen once? No. Oh, okay. But if it was going to happen to anybody? I don't know if she's even around anymore. <laughs> I have no idea. I know she was living in, I, I want to say Ottawa. I don't or know. Or maybe Quebec. And uh, she was coming back and forth. And she was in Hamilton and coming back and forth. And hmm. she's, a, she's an interesting character. Yeah. Who were some of your influences as and comedy like who did you want to be like who did i want to be like um that's hard to say i mean when i first started listening to comedy i was listening to like you know woody allen and things like that and i was listening to sam kinison but i didn't really have an appreciation for kinison i was just young and i liked the yelling so <laughs> i didn't really understand exactly what was going on um i don't know i was just very into comedy in general i don't think there was anyone who was like where I, when I started comedy, where I was like, that's the career I want to have. Uh, I think it was just something that was very interesting to me and was a way of kind of entertaining people without having to memorize uh, a play. <laughs> but you still got to do a lot of memory work for comedy, right? Sure, but that's very, you, I mean, the, the work is the practice at the same time, you know? Yeah. Like you're getting up on stage and, and repeating jokes and learning the joke at, at the same time as you're saying it how do you do anything special like do you record your sets and, and watch them later or listen to them later i wish i had a better habit of recording my sets but i don't i should and i probably 
uh, would recommend people do that, but yeah, I don't, I don't have a good habit of it. What, what kind of process do you go through for, uh, for writing a joke? Like, do you come up with a punchline and then write it around a punchline or? Usually I'll have kind of a broad stroke kind of a thing and then maybe uh, a couple uh, punchlines here and there and then I'll structure something around that, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, for me, it's, I'll get an idea that I think is funny mm -hmm. and then I'll try and write it out and yeah. expand on it as I'm practicing it. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that's always worked well for me. I, I don't understand people who say, you know, you got to sit down and write an hour a day. Mm-hmm. If I'm writing shit, then all I'm doing is writing shit. But it, it's still, it's still kind of developing that that writing muscle, which yeah. is pretty important. And uh, you know, people, if you read writing stuff, people will tell you the first draft of anything is crap and that kind of thing. Like you just have to produce the crap to also produce the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've, that's uh, that's true. I remember seeing uh, Tom Cochran in an interview saying, you know. I can write 100 songs a day. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they'll be good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I always thought that was kind of uh, that was kind of neat. Um, so what's coming up for you? Uh, what's coming up for me? Uh, I've got, I don't know, I have some stuff in the works, but I don't really want to talk about it quite yet until it's actually moving. Um, so for now, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, hosting Hotbox Comedy. I've got, I don't know when this is getting released, but I'm doing a show up to October 17th at Comedy Bar for the Mary Janes of Comedy as well. So nice. that'll be a fun time. That'd be a good time. Yeah. Who else is on the show? Uh, who is it? It's Leanne Malauden, me, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Sarah Hennessy and Steph Callender. Uh, are doing a their duo act, and then Don Whitwell, and I think I think Tolif's headlining. I think she is. I can't recall. <laughs> someone's headlining. Yeah, someone's doing some stuff. There's comedy happening. Go so, to it. And you have your own website, right? Yeah. AmandaDay.net. And that has all my calendar dates on it too. So if you miss any of those shows, there's there's a bunch of other stuff you can check out on there that you can catch me at. Are there videos as well, or? There's a couple videos. There's uh, one from the No Kidding TV taping that I did. Uh, I tend to keep my festival stuff kind of off that website. I just kind of submit it because uh, it's not always very well filmed. But yeah. the No Kidding TV stuff looked really good, so obviously that was going to go up there. Yeah, yeah. So they can get an idea of what I do. It's from I think early last year uh, is when I taped it, I believe. So I'm still I'm doing a whole bunch of different stuff now but it'll give you a general impression of what i'm like have you done any blogs or or you know podcasts or like uh, have you produced any blogs or, or podcasts or anything? uh not at this time no but i've i've got something in the works yeah, it seems like that's the big trend everybody has podcasts yeah you know i've podcast about this sex and games mm -hmm. and, uh, all kinds of cosplay well it makes sense it's exposure um it's a way of getting your voice out there into a wider audience than just the one city that uh that you're living in well at the same time also maintains more of an intimate setting too yeah yeah you feel like you're talking directly to them even if it's not them there to listen to you yeah exactly Some people actually connect more with podcasts than they do going to a show and watching the person yeah that's There's true the vibe between the person on stage and the person in the audience then with the podcasting it's a little more direct Exactly. right into the listener's ears that's it um do you ever get recognized on the street 
I have been recognized on the street, usually from Hotbox. Uh, I think the last time that happened was uh, in a Pizza Pizza. <laughs> I've been, but I've been, uh, I like, I, I online date and that kind of thing. I've, I've gotten messages from people saying like, oh, I saw you at a show and that kind of thing. Yeah. That's cool. I don't know why they don't talk to me at the show. Because I'm intimidating. <laughs> I, I think, honestly, I think um, approaching anyone, especially if you have uh, an interest sexually, mm -hmm. uh, I think most people are pretty intimidated um, just being in that position. Mm -hmm. You know, I, uh, it's funny because people don't believe me when I say I'm shy. Yeah. Because the moment there's a crowd, I'll say anything. Sure. Just to be fucking funny mm -hmm. or just to see the reaction. And, uh, but when it comes to one-on-one -on -one with anybody, I'm horrible. Mm -hmm. You know, you fumble and you talk too much and you don't talk enough or yeah. you say something really stupid. This is actually therapy for Eli right now. This, this yeah. is therapy yeah. for Eli right now. Uh, <laughs> and then when do you hit on someone, you know, like they just, they're on the streetcar and they're just trying to go home. Yeah. They've had a shitty day. They don't want to put up with anybody hitting on them on the streetcar. Yeah, it's, for sure. I mean, I always like, I always think it's like. The most inappropriate time, no matter what. Yeah. And it's like, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, after the show is not that inappropriate. You can talk to people after that. I, but I agree, like, yeah, don't talk to ladies in grocery stores. They're trying to buy eggs. Leave them alone. <laughs> They've got stuff to do. Yeah. They're not thinking about dicks. <laughs> Which is odd. You think? Because uh, you constantly are. Constantly? Yeah. Constantly. Do you think of with the doing comedy that might actually uh, factor into intimidating somebody? Because taking comedy does take some amount of courage. To yeah. Do. Yeah, and I think you know. I mean, I I'm not gonna put words into other people's mouths, but you know, I I think there might be something, some some fear involved in like you know, what if this girl just starts making fun of me? You know, <laughs> it's a very real possible thing. Yeah. Uh, if I'm with condition where afraid to date her because they think she's, she's going to write a song, song exactly <laughs> and they're usually right yeah, yeah. Well, is she going to abjectly make fun of me for coming on to her or is it going to be part of the act yeah chris chris Bizzo used to do jokes about her ex and mm. he did jokes he about did, her yeah, yeah. and it's just do you date in the community or are you like no comics never um how do I say this delicately? I have uh, tried dating in the community. It has not worked out well for me. <laughs> so I'm online dating. So I don't have to date in the community. <laughs> what was the problem? Like, I like with okay, with Chris, she said the biggest problem was that the boyfriend always wanted her at his shows, and that he would never go to hers, and. She had her own shows to do. I don't even. I don't. Didn't even ask if he came to any of hers. But just she had her own shit. It's like I have my own shit to do. Right. Yeah. I can't be our ca arm candy for you. I'm. I'm busy doing my own thing. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. Uh, you have to wonder. Is that like a real possibility? Uh, like, does that happen? Nobody a lot? wants to be a blank comics girlfriend or boyfriend. You know what I mean? No. No comic wants to. You know, you you don't want uh, you to you know nobody wants to date somebody and and be regarded in the community as like oh that's so and so's boyfriend or I that's totally so and so's date girlfriend. Ron Jossel. Yeah, he just looks cuddly. <laughs> <laughs> Big 
Big shout out to Ron. Yeah. But if you're if you're trying to work hard in the community and trying to get make a name for yourself, you you don't want people uh just knowing you as Ron Johnson's boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You wanna have your own thing. So that kind of makes it a little bit more complicated in that sense. Yeah. Top five comics in the scene in Toronto. Top five comics in Toronto? Uh I gotta give it to K. Trevor Wilson for sure. Uh, Rob May is doing stuff all over the place. Nice. Um, I love Steph Tolev a lot. Uh, I've only seen her a few times. Like when I was doing the scene, mm -hmm. like when I started, she was already pro. Right? Yeah. And uh, but I've only seen her at like a handful of shows. Mm -hmm. Well, she doesn't do a lot of the open mics. I think she just tends to do pro stuff and uh you know acting and things like that I but i think she, i think she just takes the 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 money jobs <laughs> i remember her doing a joke about i think it was craft dinner or macaroni and cheese or something in pajamas or i can't remember oh yeah 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 a little bit for you a little <laughs> bit for you <laughs> that's the joke we're talking about right yeah yep i think so we we won't recite it <laughs> We won't do it justice. <laughs> uh, what are some of your favorite bars to go to? If if, if we're gonna plug open mic, you bars. know, um, I I mean I can't say I mean yeah the the bars that I go to are bars with with comedy shows in them. Yeah. So I I like it when people are going <laughs> are talking to me online like where do you want to go for a date? What bars do you like? I'm like oh, do you want to go to a comedy bar? Like <laughs> we can go there. I like it there. It's the only place I know. Yeah, it ended up being like friends would be like, "Hey, you want to come to this?" I'm if I'm going out, if I'm leaving the house, yeah, if I make it to leaving the house, I'm gonna go do comedy because mm -hmm. that's that was it, you know. Yeah, but uh, I find it's hard. It's it was hard for me to stay motivated in comedy mm -hmm. in Toronto because half the time, more than half the time, you're, you're doing rooms that are just other comics. Yeah. And they don't pay attention to what you're doing on stage. So you don't get a real gauge mm -hmm. of how funny a joke is. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you go on the road and you go someplace like Ottawa where they'll laugh at anything. Mm -hmm. And that and you gives get you a really disproportionate idea of what the hell is going on with your jokes. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, that's, that's the biggest thing that, that I found uh, as far as obstacles go, mm -hmm. you know. But how is that hard motivating you? Um, because if I'm not getting any reaction... I'm not seeing any. There's purpose. no positive feedback. Yeah, then. there's no no positive, no negative feedback, no feedback. No at feedback all. at all. Yeah, you know, like if somebody you could says, thrive off some negative feedback. Yeah. <laughs> well, people told me my honey boo boo joke was horrible mm -hmm. and made them need to shower, mm -hmm. and so I stopped doing it. Yeah, because it's a bad, bad, horrible pedophile joke, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, so like bad people don't laugh or whatever. Like if if my second time on stage, I did nothing but blue material. Yeah. Uh, made fun of skinny women and talked about jerking off and all that kind of stuff. And it just wasn't funny. Mm -hmm. And the audience let me know that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like if it's, if, and it was a spirit. So, you know, there's an attentive audience. Yeah. You know, if there's an attentive audience and they're not laughing at my jokes, that's when I'll look at it and say, well, what, why was it? Right. You know, but if, if you're just doing rooms with comedians who are only thinking about their own sets, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, did, I mean, did that not get... the the 
purpose of all that is still, I still got to get the joke out. I still have to rehearse the joke kind of in front of an audience. Like, you, you know, nobody, I don't know any comedian whose way of rehearsing a joke is standing in front of a mirror or pretending to talk into a, ha- a hairbrush like, like it's a mic, you know? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Dom might do something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's just not anybody's method. The method is get on stage and tell the joke. Yeah. So you do need those those rooms where it's just comics and you're just basically rehearsing for the big show. Yeah, yeah. What what has been the biggest obstacle for you in comedy? Um probably seeing that I could do more and then just trying to slowly motivate myself to take steps to doing more. I think as in more shows or writing more? Or? Uh, yeah, all of it. Like, you know, I, I, I feel like I do a lot and I always feel like really when I kind of look at the bigger picture, boy, I could be doing so much more stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. Well, are we good? Mm-hmm. All right. Pretty much. Awesome. Tight. Amanda? Yep. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, you can see your 7 p.m. Uh on every Thursday at the Hot Box, mm-hmm. which is in Kensington Market. Yep. And you can go check out her website, amandaday.net. Yep. And uh, go out and see her support comedy in Toronto. She plug and, my Twitter. And oh, what's your Twitter? You don't know what my Twitter is? Oh, uh, 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 Cock Destroyer. There you go. That's it. <laughs> Cock Destroyer. Like, oh, I've read this. I know this. <laughs> this is this is a brilliant young lady, and her jokes are just fucking phenomenal I can't say enough good things about you thank you uh, keep them pretty, coming story is pretty intimidating yeah so yeah <laughs> yeah maybe that's where maybe that's what's from. scaring them off not mm. around the cock <laughs> some men see challenge but yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the men who see challenge in it <laughs> excellent hopefully we can have you back on again that'd be great be well thank you bye November 2nd I'm going to be hosting Swordplay 3 at Oasis Aqua Lounge. It is a night for bisexual men and the people who love them. Starts about 8 o'clock. We're going to have games, lots of fun, lots of sex. Come on out.